0: We know agricultural educators, and we know that the
1: job is hard work. Here to make your job easy is Owl Pellet, where we are regurgitating information just for you. Hey there Owl Pellet audience, um, we're here today and my name's Kate Shoulders, I'm from the University of Arkansas representing agricultural education. We've got Brian Myers representing the University of Florida's Agricultural Education. Brian, say hello.
2: Good afternoon, everybody.
1: And we've got Marshall Baker representing uh, Oklahoma State University and Agricultural Education there. Marshall?
0: How's it going, Al Pellet Land? Glad to be here.
1: Excellent. Well, so the three of us are very excited to um, share with you a little bit today about National Convention. This is, I don't know about you all, but this is one of my favorite times of the year. It's kind of like Christmas beforehand. Um, National Convention is really close. And so with that in our near future, we thought that it would be a good idea to um, focus today on preparing for National Convention, both you and your students. Um, I have found that this is a pretty fun time of year, but also it's a pretty daunting task. Wouldn't you all agree?
2: Absolutely. It's uh, one of the most exciting times to take your students places, but also pretty stressful and trying to arrange all the travel details, making sure everybody gets fed, making sure simple things like bathroom breaks on the trip, that kind of thing. So it's it's a great time, but a lot of stress for the ag teacher. I don't know. Maybe
0: I'm the only one. (laughs) But I always felt a little bit like, you know, parents were really entrusting me as I took their children and put them on an airplane for the first time. And fly them to a new town and get them to a hotel, and um, I always did my best to have things together and planned, but there was always that little sense of what am I getting myself into, Uh, especially as an early teacher. It always seemed a little bit almost kind of overwhelming at times for me.
1: I would totally agree with that, and I I don't know. I don't know if it was just me, but I also wanted to make sure, I mean, I know the trip is for the students and all, but if I'm spending, you know, up to a week away from my family, I kind of would like to have a good time, too. So I try to make sure that um, everybody was having a good time. Actually, I was working on that this morning. We're taking some students to convention next week, and I emailed each of them. We're, We're driving, and it's like 11 hours, and I told them this morning, Make yourself a CD. We want to have, a you know, 11 hours of everybody's favorite tunes. So I tried to make sure that everybody had a good time. And that's, um, it can be a daunting task. Um, and so I think everybody, just as Marshall was saying um, about having uh, different things that you want to do to make sure that everybody's happy and safe, um, I had the opportunity to talk with uh, Richard Horn. He is one of two ag teachers at Graves County High School in Mayfield, Kentucky. Um, He's got he is an old pro at convention trips and um, he's been doing this for 14 years and uh, each year he and his co-teacher Kelvin Howard have taken students so all 14 years and they average between 20 and 40 students a year. So, Marshall, you're saying that we're in, parents are entrusting us with the, the safety of their kids. Um, Richard is an old pro at it and has got plenty of tips for helping us do that.
2: Amazing stuff. I can't imagine. I, when I was teaching high school, I was taking 10 to 12 students. I thought that was plenty. Uh, that's pretty impressive that they're able to get that level of participation and go every year with that number of students.
1: That's true. Um, he did mention in our talk why he does keep taking students to National Convention and why he keeps taking that many students. So let's real quick listen to some of his reasons.
3: Oh, the students really get a lot of excitement and uh, valuable information from the FFA. comes back, that they become more excited and participate more within our program. So, you know, we just have a large group of students that want to go, so therefore we continue to take them.
0: You know, For me, I started a new program and just kind of what he's talking about was the main reason we spent the money at first to go. Um, The national convention trip for my new chapter really is what drove my enrollment. Um, Students were fighting all year to to have the points to go to convention which is kind of what he's talking about.
2: Yeah, it was pretty cool how Richard saw the student focus on why they saw it being a valuable place for them to go every year. It's the thing to remember. This may be your fourteenth or fifteenth national convention as an ag teacher, but it's gonna be it could be the first or the only time that one of your students could go up and you know I can remember taking my kids up there from small town in west central Illinois, you know, getting out there and all they saw was their little town or their county and thought that that's what FFA was and what ag was and they get to the national convention and they walk in there and they see all these other kids there, they see just how big FFA and agriculture really is and see the different opportunities that were there. And, you know, even watching the, the cool kids trying not to act excited, just how, how excited they came when they saw all the opportunities that were there to, to be involved in ag nationally.
1: That's so true. They can learn so much there. I, I remember we would each year take students, we took them out to one nice meal, and um, every year there were students that had never eaten at a restaurant with uh, tablecloths. And so they can learn so much from there, not just about agriculture, but there's there's plenty of learning about ag there, leadership, different careers they could have, and then all sorts of other topics. I know each year I have students that learn about um, shimmying, shimmying up the, uh, the uh, what, telephone poles, right? I think they have that there every year. So there are plenty of things that they can learn there. Um, but I have found that it's a big place with a lot going on. So there are also, I think, some opportunities for students to kind of get lost and almost hide to the point where they they can avoid learning almost anything. Um, So it was always my fear that students would get home and they'd only be able to tell their parents about, you know, all the money that they had spent uh, buying useless crap at the the mall or they only could tell them about the food court. Now Richard did give us some pointers about aspects of convention to make sure students um, experience and how to help uh, them find those. So if you hadn't gone to convention before, here's some tips from him that might Um, assist you with where to get your students to go?
3: Uh, I know the career show sometimes finding specific things inside the career show. Some students ask about that, uh, you know, where they can find some information. So, you know, just identifying areas within the career show that you may think that students would like to see, specific students. uh, You know, uh, sometimes they may ask which... Uh, leadership activity they need to do. So, you know, I'll just have to be able to identify, have a general idea of what the sessions are to be able to point students into the direction that you think that their strengths are in or areas that they may need to grow. The pre-planning, and they have like a bingo card or some type of uh, scavenger hunt thing that they require their students to do and get signed off on or get evidence of as they go through
2: the convention. Yeah. Richard, definitely right there. When you're able to go through there and, and your students start coming home or able to tell friends about the leadership sessions and they get excited, and that's that's really when you start taking the um, the benefits of going to national convention when they're able to take it back home. Plus, I, you know, I've seen kids that when they go on national convention the first time, they, they get that excitement. They learn that kind of stuff that they go, and then that gets them to show them, hey, I, am, I can do this. I can go back. And teach uh, my fellow students at school. I can go back and do these things, and then that just breeds more and more interest in national convention and interest in FFA back when they when they get home, and really builds that confidence level um, with with the students as they go through there. And I really like what he said about being intentional and helping to match up, um, you know, each particular student where they needed to go because you know it can it's it's a big place. Um, but when they go through there, but really help with the students go through the schedule and saying, here's a leadership workshop you need to go to, or here, here are the, here's the way the career show is set up. Here are the kind of things you need to be going to, the people you need to be talking with. And that scavenger hunt idea I had is kind of being intentional so that they can go through and actually get something out of it rather than just being completely overwhelmed by the size of the career show or the leadership workshop. So I think you get some great great tips in there. Well, and you know, one thing I think that's coming out
0: is, you know, as, as teachers, we know that every day in the classroom, we should have objectives. We should be task-oriented and have some goals. And I think one of the things, you know, that, that Richard speaks to, but even being more just, you know, transparent to those, you know, those of us going to convention as we start to wrap our head around, uh, you know, our thoughts, you know, I think it's important to, to make very transparent what the goals are. You know, there are five things you've got to do while you're at convention. And this is how we're going to assess those five things. Um, go to one competition, and then you're going to share with us that competition and, and what you learned from it. Uh, I think being really intentional about allowing student choice, giving them the freedom. For me, I was scared. I was scared to let those kids go. I was scared to get off the bus and say, see you this afternoon. Um, but I think being able to bring some task orientation to you know, you can get off the bus and you can go to anything you'd like to go to, but these are the goals and expectations, and this is what you're gonna have to produce as a result of this experience. I think that guidance moves this experience from just uh, a bunch of kiddos running around at the food court buying teddy bears. I think it moves it then to a guided experience where the teachers are being purposeful about that, and Richard does a great job describing that. Um, But you know, I might ask teachers, um, and myself, as I take students there this year, what are the goals of going and are those accomplished?
1: Yeah. And, you know, when you were describing um, letting your students off the bus and saying, see you later, I mean, I could just picture it there. As, you know, the it, regardless of whether it's an in Indy or Louisville, the, when you let your students off the bus and they're in their official dress and then they just kind of enter into that current of blue jackets and um, suddenly they just they kind of disappear uh, amid everybody else that's dressed just like them. Um, it's tough with, with everyone dressed the same, and I think that's a real cool part of it. Um, but it's, it makes it uh, challenging when you're trying to keep tabs on all your students. Um, and that can be tough if, you're, if there isn't just a small handful of them. So Richard did have some good tips for keeping up with students um, as they are entering into that sea of blue jackets, though.
3: Uh, one thing that we do whenever we have these large groups is we typically will find leaders within groups and actually, uh, you know, set expectations for them. And they kind—they of, go ahead and pull their fellow classmates with them to these activities. One big thing, you know, may not be directly on preparing them, but, you know, most students have cell phone numbers. And it's great that you have a copy of every one of those numbers and the students have yours. That way, if you do get separated, you can come back together. Or you can even do the uh, check-in on, you know, if I say where you're at, what you're doing, those types of things. But
1: So now he, he's talking about cell phones. Brian, I remember um, students having cell phones when I was taking them. Brian, you're a little older than Marshall and myself, so what, what was your experience? I bet cell phones would have been nice, huh? Would you use, like, smoke signals, make sure all your yeah, kids yeah, are where they're supposed yeah.
2: to be? I, I, I was waiting for the old comment here. <laughs> bag phones. I bet they used bag phones. Yeah, <laughs> We didn't we didn't use smoke signals. They didn't let us carry torches inside the building, so we had to use drums, drum drum beats back and forth.
1: Yeah, well, that would echo nicely in the caves they used to hold this stuff in.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> well, and you know, jumping back to
0: Richard's comments, you know, one of the toughest parts is is helping kids understand through an intrinsic motivation. You know, rather than saying uh, you better behave. You know, I think Richard is speaking to you know you know speaking to the best. Of our students and you know by providing students freedom we're telling them we trust them and we're assuming they can handle that trust you know that can be really powerful if you can empower them to think about uh, my name is on my jacket Uh, my my community's name is on this jacket Uh, I'm proud to be here I represent the chapter you know I think Richard does a good job breeding that pride and kind of telling his students I trust you this this is kind of weird I'm letting you run free, you know, for the next five hours. And I'm trusting that you'll do the right thing and be back here on the bus. And I think that can be powerful, uh, especially at a place like convention. That can really build relationships and set the tone that will even carry you back to your classroom.
1: Yeah, it is tough with um, with trusting the students and the ones that you bring. You do want to make sure, at least I always did, that um, the students ahead of time, the ones that I was bringing were the ones that you that I could trust, right? Um, When you talk to them about that trust level, if they um, are valuing that it's a big deal that you're putting that trust in them, those are the kids that you want to bring. If they don't think that it's a big deal that you're putting trust in them, they're probably not trustworthy. And um, those would be the ones that typically um, I wouldn't bring because we had, you know, some kind of disciplinary item in place where, you know, if you've been, um, you know, gone through these items of discipline at all within the last, you know, month, two months, whatever, um, that you were not eligible to go on the trip. And that took out the subjectivity for me, um, but made sure that I could only take students that um, that I trusted. Um, and it is, it's tough when you've got that many students to keep track of them all. So you really do have to trust them. Um, Richard discussed a little with how he manages to keep track of all his students. So let's listen to what he had to say and what his methods were.
3: First of all, if you don't trust the kid to begin with, don't take them with you. You know, if you don't think that could be done. And then... Uh, As far as, you know, making sure that they're doing and staying on task what they're doing, I would just set up more times for them to meet back up with you. You know, typically with our students, we go in, all go our separate ways, and take care of what we need. It's kind of hard to pull 30 kids in a single line at every single station, you know, throughout the convention. So we typically separate, and we have various meeting times throughout the day that we meet up and you know discuss what's going on, what we're seeing, so those types of things.
0: Well, you know, we've talked about this idea of discipline, but you know, part of the challenge, one of the largest challenges I had was just uh, establishing um, the dress code. You know, for this first time, it's always frustrating. You get on the bus, you get to convention, you demand that everyone wear official dress, and there's always that kid or those two kids that forgot their scarf or forgot their tie. And you know, I think that's always a challenge is making sure that your chapter is exuding that professionalism when they're there, and they're representing, you know, like we talked about, they're representing your chapter. So it's a real-life example of, you know, starting to prepare them for workplace settings. Um, And I always found that to be a great learning experience, and, and, you know, they kind of rise to the occasion when they're dressed up, but it's always tough, you know, really getting that nailed down.
1: Yeah, especially if it's their first year. Um, I found each year, you know, you, you you tell students what official dress is, and then there's a, a a girl whose mom took her out for for official dress shoes, right? And instead of going with um like sensible old lady shoes, they go with those that like are really neat looking, and uh, you know it's it it takes away from official dress when after a day and a half your the student is hobbling around right, on these ridiculously high shoes, um, and, you know, and then they, they don't want to attend anything. It really ruins their trip if, you're, if your feet are covered in blisters, so uh, I found, like, every year after that first one, I had a thorough talk with my student about, my, my, my female students especially, about appropriate footwear, and um, then you look at aspects of official dress, you know, length of skirts, do you wear pantyhose, the 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 shoes, um Gentlemen, jeans, not jeans, it, there, there are some items in official dress that can be difficult for them to pick out, especially if they have not um, needed to uh, dress in that manner before. So I found not only did I um, spend some, some serious time with students beforehand really focusing on official dress to make sure that they were comfortable and professional, but then I also always carried with me, you know, those little like squishy heel things for shoes um, and uh, Band-Aids if needed. Um, just to help students that maybe did not follow um, my warnings and, and wore some shoes that uh, that didn't work for them. Yeah,
2: official draft was always one of those things you're talking about, and, you know, you're going through there and having to have the conversation with the students about what's going through there and, and how they're representing their chapter and representing each other. And, you know, one thing here that, that Richard talked about, was something I never really thought of before. So, so many times, even when I was teaching, I was talking to the kids. This is what you're supposed to do because this is what the manual says, or this is what you're representing. This is how you're supposed to represent your chapter. But he he kind of has a view on it that I really like that I hadn't thought of before. It's about how to make your students more comfortable, because you know they may they, they may actually feel more self-conscious when they get to convention if they're not in official dress than if they are. And I never thought about that way. If you're trying to really um, Protect that that self-consciousness from the student. In addition to doing all the things that we talk about and keeping track of with with official dress, and you know the cool thing about it was so many times the some the first pair of nice dress shoes or the first pair of nice dress slacks or nice skirt that uh, a student sometimes would get would be for FFA official dress, and to, to go out there like I don't have any any dress shoes, and so they'd go out and do the shopping that kind of thing. But again, you're showing them what it means to dress professionally. And I think all oh, that's important, too. But I thought Richard had some had some good observations about why, uh, from a student self-conscious standpoint, it's good to make sure they understand official dress and why they need to wear it.
3: We always send out, uh, like a week before, little slips of paper with every student that is actually going to convention, what type of uh, clothing they need to take to wear. Uh, we do talk to them about what is official dress, you know, you know, go back over that information and the fact that they need to have that for their trip. The biggest thing is uh, having the paper that they can take home says, this is what I have to have. And then we'll have uh, informational meetings prior to that uh, a couple of times just to re- remind them, answer any questions that may come up from the students and to also remind them that they need to get their homework together while they're going on the trip so it will be done when they come back. You know, uh, sometimes some teachers allow their students to come in wearing the blue jeans with their official dress because uh, the kids think it's a cool way to go, and then they get there and they're like one of every thousand people that are wearing blue jeans. You know, sometimes they begin to feel bad and out of place with that. And I think that's you know, sticking to the official dress thing Uh, would be one of
1: those areas. Yeah, and you're right, Brian. I hadn't thought about it that way before as well. You know, you want your students to represent you well, but you also want to make sure that they feel like they are part of that big sea of blue jackets, right, that they fit in well. And um, I hadn't thought about that part either, but it was a very good point. I feel like overall we got some great tips from Richard for um, taking students to National Convention. Um, We sure do appreciate his time. I was really generous for him to share with us. So if you all happen to see Richard Hornet Convention, give him a high five or something, tell him you heard him on uh, owl pellets. Marshall and Brian, I know that we wanted to do this podcast to share some tips for teachers when preparing students for national conventions. So in the spirit of that, do you all have anything um, to add based on your own experiences?
2: Yeah, I just think it's important here as the ag teachers, Yeah, you're, you're to remember that this may be your third, fourth, tenth, fortieth, whatever convention. But for those students, it may be their first or second time, or it's the only time they're going to come to convention, and really kind of enjoy the awe that those students have when they go to convention. You know, I can remember talking to you know even my my dad uh, when he was an FFA member still talks about you know when people were going to national convention. This it's, it's these kind of trips here where some really key uh, memories are made, and it's an opportunity really for the ag teacher to get to know and to bond with the students that are there. Again, like Richard said, hopefully you're taking people that you, you know. You take people you, you trust to do that, but it's really an opportunity to engage and to teach those your students some basic life skills. Things you're talking about eating at a restaurant with a tablecloth, how to introduce yourself to people at the career show, how to take things back to your chapter. And I think it's just a great opportunity, and it's it's going to be a lot of work, but uh, it's also going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. And, you know,
0: the two two big things come out for me. And first of all, you know, as an experiential educator, and that being something I'm, I feel like ag education really uh, benefits from. I think just being very purposeful that the teacher doesn't get so caught up in where are the tickets, where are the name tags, <laughs> what time does the person have to be at this location, where's the hotel, how do I get back, where's Johnny? You know, you can get so caught up in the logistics that you forget to be there and to gently guide and to and to facilitate and to ask questions and to you know look at the students eyes when they get on the bus and like take take inventory of are they in awe of something are they struggling with something are they missing home are they not fitting into the groups that are socially constructed on the trip i think a teacher has to really be aware um, and, and be there just in time to constantly guide and instruct. And I think if you do that, you can really lead to some powerful outcomes. If you don't do that, you can lead to a lot of students coming home with teddy bears and weird cowboy hats. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important that you do that. I mean, I never came home in a weird cowboy hat. Ha, ha, ha. Sure. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, one thing we haven't talked about, and we talked about official dress is I think we've also got to always be mindful that, I have a philosophy that our, our most wealthy students are the ones that find themselves at convention and, and are most comfortable. And I would just challenge teachers to think about, are only the wealthy kids able to go on this trip? Yeah. And I know I've seen a lot of ag teachers do some amazing things to provide this opportunity to all students equally. But you know, even thinking about official dress, Um, For some of my students, I didn't think about it, but when I was demanding that they wear these specific clothes, it was a real wake-up call the first time some of them came together and their family had really struggled to find that white dress shirt or really struggled to find those dress shoes. And there were a lot of times that we had to have some, some things in place to make all the students feel comfortable and efficacious and feel good about themselves when they showed up at convention. So I would just remind you, you know, there's a lot of students on this trip that might be going with you that don't have the money to maybe, don't have the spending money that others have, or maybe it's difficult to get those dress shoes. So, you know, also start thinking about ways to make that available to everybody. But, you know, Richard's advice was was very good in my opinion.
1: Yeah, Marshall, you bring up some great points. Um, we, when I was teaching, we had a youth services center that would pay for jackets for anyone that couldn't afford them. And so we were able to take numerous students that, like I said, it was their first time eating somewhere with a tablecloth and with napkins that weren't paper. Um, And it's a really, it lets them see what what else is available in the world for them, right? What what they can do if they are successful, where it can take them. Something else, what you're talking about with the students and their um, clothes and finding those. Um, I would try, we we try to model, right? We want to model good behavior for our students and model what it's like to be a successful adult uh, contributing to society. And so very frequently I would um, shop at Goodwill. I put it out there, I shopped at Goodwill. I do it a lot. And um, I would wear clothes to school that were, you know, very appropriate, nice dress clothes. And um, when a student would comment on something that I was, you know, wearing, if a, a student liked my, shoes or you know asked about where well where can I get some pants I would I would tell them check out these pants I got them for four bucks from Goodwill look at these slacks they're Banana Republic I got them for four dollars right I would point that out to them so they could see that it's cool to to reuse recycle to, to you know to buy clothes more sustainably and and Goodwill and other thrift stores are a fantastic place to do so that you don't have to go and buy the the brand-new, super expensive clothes for official dress that Goodwill is full, I find, of, uh, of white dress shirts, right? And they can be from, you know, some really uh, um, up-end um, uh, manufacturers. So I found that modeling that for my students um, was really helpful because then they would come in and be like, check out this shirt I got for three bucks, you know, and they would be proud about it too. And then nobody had to be ashamed about, um, about where they were getting their official dress clothes. Um, Something else that I wanted to point out, I'm kind of a mother hen when I go on trips with students. Um, And so I would make sure, I focused a lot on safety. Um, I don't know if the students knew that I did, and I still do. I don't know if they they know that I do so much, but I want to make sure that everybody is completely safe on the trip. Um, I have a student I'm taking this year who, uh, she is deathly allergic to peanuts, and she mentioned one day in class, uh, maybe a month or two ago, that her EpiPen had expired. And I made it a condition that she was not getting on the bus unless she has gotten an EpiPen that is in date, that she had gotten that updated, and that both a student and myself know where it's at at all all times. That, you've got students with insulin, um, different over-the-counter medicines that they're bringing. Make sure that you um, are aware and cognizant of where medicines are, how they need to be used in case there's any kind of emergency. Um, Also, I would stress to my students, safety and numbers don't go anywhere by yourself, right? If you're from a a little town um, like Richard's students from Graves County, um, you want to make sure that that they know that Indianapolis or Louisville is very different from from where they're at, and uh, they've got to stay with a buddy. Um, Also, um, I would make sure that they knew to stay on convention property, um, and that, that way I knew that they were, even if they're not with me, I know that they're with other folks with the FFA um, so that's kind of all that um, that I wanted to make sure that I shared with you all overall though I think that was a fantastic podcast
2: yeah it's great I mean, you're definitely right you're fun to travel with Kate because you've always got snacks somewhere hidden around you never starved to death
1: you are right I am I am a, a total mother hen with uh, with all sorts of things like that all kinds of snacks you find me at national convention I'll give you snack
2: there you go she will it's <laughs> awesome well this this has been this has been a great time. We've learned a lot. Um, you know, this is this is the whole idea of what this podcast is. It's ideas for ag teachers from ag teachers. And we're hoping that everybody that's listening to this finds this to be helpful. Again, whether it's your first convention, your fifteenth convention, or your fortieth convention, hopefully there's something we can always learn about this kind of a thing. And you know, we we invite you all three of us are going to be at National FFA convention, so please stop by and see us. Uh, enjoy convention. Enjoy the time with your kids.
0: We know agricultural educators,
2: and we know that the job is hard work.
1: Here to make your job easy is Owl Pellets, where we are regurgitating information just for you.